Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, you caught me in a very vulnerable time right now. Listen, I know we haven't talked in a while. And I've been super busy. I'm sorry. Like, seriously. I've been doing some favors for some people, and I've lost track of time. Hold on. Oh. All right. Uh, I think I've taken on too much at this point, and I, I don't want to let everyone down. Like, I feel like there's a piece of me that... I only have so much to give, like, I don't have any more left in the tank. Between friends, family, and a career path where my main job is to help others, I I feel like I've been carrying this weight around with me. And don't get me wrong, I, I like it, I, I enjoy doing it for everyone, and it feels like I can provide value, but, well, I just feel done. For days, weeks, months, I've been carrying this weight on my own, and I can't go any further. I. I decided to get some help. I, I decided, hey, look, I need to find somebody or some people that can help me with the situation. So I decided to get some help from some friends of mine, Natalie and Steve. Natalie is fresh from obtaining her master's in social work and is currently working as an outpatient therapist. She's working with people who suffer from mental illness, substance abuse, stuff like that. And Steve, on the other hand, has a very particular situation that let me just let him explain. So, um, there's been the last, well, since, yeah, as long as my marriage has been a thing, so the last, like, four-ish years, um, not quite four years, um, my brother has had legal issues. He, he told me at my wedding, hey, by the way, like, right before he's about to give the speech, like, he was like, hey, by the way, I have a court date on Tuesday. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, found that out right then. Like, my brother, he's always, like, he's, he's super unique. He's, he's super nice and, like, gentle whenever I'm around or, like, any interaction I have with him. He's, like, this little kid almost. He's, I mean, he is a kid. He's three years younger than me. But, like, he, uh he's always been in the wrong friend group and you know they like to do things that they're not supposed to do like any teenager likes to do but like um my brother tends to take it to the extreme so um he's always made those kind of poor decisions um and then it culminated into this whole legal thing um where it it's like he was he was drunk driving um but it's been this years long process because he keeps making bad decisions where like he's so the initial offense was just as a police officer you'll appreciate this <laughs> he was so his initial offense was bad he was uh way over the limit and he was doing like 70 and a 35 when he got pulled over so not great right but uh then He's been in and out of jail like three times and all like from this one offense. So like he he initially had this court date and then he was like had this whole, uh, I don't know what it was at that time, probationary period or whatever, like things that he had to do. And then he didn't do those things because he likes to make the wrong decision. And then jail time gets factored in and then it's like, you have another hearing and you have to do X, Y, and Z. Here's your like parole officer and, and these things. And then he would miss meetings and like just 
keep piling on things to himself. So, like, his initial offense was bad, but it's been his decisions throughout this whole thing that stretched it into now he's been dealing for, like, you know, almost four years on this one event. So, if you haven't caught on by now, I think Natalie's resumes and Steve's own personal experience made them great people to talk about today's topic. How to carry the burdens of others. Their problems, their stresses, their fears. Like all the stuff we talked about before. It all weighs on you heavily. And if you're the type of person who wants to fix it all, this can be something that takes over your life. Needless to say, with these guys' different experiences and expertise, I felt like talking to them would be some way of finding my aha moment. But first, I need to identify what was going on with me. There's this feeling I have right now of being tired all the time, not caring as much. And I know it's not new to me per se. I felt it before. If I explain it out loud, I know it's something I'm doing to myself. I don't have to carry this stuff with me. Their problems, all this other stuff, the things that other people need to change. I wish I could do it for them. I really do. But despite the fact, I know it will kill me in the end if I don't let some of these things go. And if I'm honest with myself, this is kind of the reason why I left something I wanted to do since I was a child. Not very long ago, I was a police officer and did it with great pride. I had a wide-eyed view and like I thought I was going to change the world. And over time, I made it my mission to change the world. A mission that took over the part of my soul. Whenever I failed, I eventually came to the conclusion that it was my fault. I did it. If I could have done this better, if I could have done that better, things would turn out better. But then over time, that kind of evolved into something different, something way more dark. I came to the conclusion that no matter what I did, no matter how many times I arrested someone, how many times I talked to them about getting clean, I couldn't make anyone change. And then that kind of did reflect on myself. I felt like that me not changing their lives for the better was because I was doing something wrong. And eventually I couldn't stop thinking about it. Steve kind of related to this when we talked and he said something kind of similar. It's like evolved over time. So um, initially it was like always thinking about him and like reaching out and just trying to like do everything I could. And because he lives in Cincinnati and I live in Columbus, it was difficult. But trying to do everything I could to like support him, make sure he feels like cared for and still that like, you know, just to like fight um, those, all those negative mm. feelings and stuff that like would come up with that embarrassment, shame, any of that, just like fight it all. I would want to push back on everything um, just to like try to protect him from everything and just like had no boundary at all there. Um, so like, yeah, that took a lot of energy and it would, I would feel, um, like I couldn't do enough and just, I would, I felt like I, it wasn't that I couldn't help them. I couldn't help him, but like, um, in terms of my energy, but I just didn't know what to do. And it, so it was like this helpless feeling of like, what else can I do? Like, I feel like I've done everything I can aside from like move there, just uproot everything and like move to be with him and just like, I don't know, 
keep him on a leash or something to make him like stop doing these bad things. What Steve here is talking about is a very normal behavior. And chances are, if you're listening to this, you have someone in your life that's like this. You care deeply about them and you want them to succeed. And I'm sure biologically there's some instinct that promotes this, right? Like, we need to make our tribe stronger, so we need to band together and promote the other person's success. However, there is such a thing as going too far. And I'm sure I'm not the one that needs to tell you, but life is hard enough as it is. But imagine worrying about two lives or three or a whole caseload like Natalie does. These lives and their issues build up one after another. The next thing you know, you have a giant weight on you. And instead of everyone lifting it together, you take it upon yourself. And in this case, myself, because I'm doing it as we speak. And you take it on and carry it alone. What Steve felt and what I think I may be going through is something known as compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue. This happens when you simply run out of juice, a.k.a. you run out of craps to give. Best way to think of it is like a muscle. What happens when you use a muscle to a point of exhaustion? You place all the burdens on you and you walk day in and day out with them on your back, by yourself, no breaks, just you. Eventually, you're going to collapse, and no matter how much you want to lift this weight, you simply can't anymore. This is entirely dangerous. What it turns into is a shutdown of all emotion. You're empty. You're on empty. No energy for any of your friends, family, or anyone else that needs a piece of you. You simply don't have anything else to give. You could literally hear the most tragic story of your life and have no sort of reaction. And believe me, I know a little bit about this. In one of my lowest points as a police officer, I remember encountering a man who got shot several times and I didn't feel anything about it. In fact, people around me were kind of getting upset about my lack of emotion, and they called me out on it. And honestly, I had no idea it was going on. It was just kind of another day to me, and I didn't really connect the dots. I mean, look, imagine you, you know, at a scene, and somebody just got shot, and you see them bleeding, and you look over, and the officer has, like, a blank stare on his face. Not a blank stare of, like, he doesn't know what to do, but he knows what to do. He did what he has to do. And he's just there. It doesn't bother him at all. And that's kind of who I was at the time. Now, long story short, we're not going to get too much into it. But that was one of the reasons where I felt like I needed to step down. However, it's been maybe a couple years since then. And now I find myself in the same predicament. And I wanted to know why this happened. Like, what is this feeling coming over? Why do I have compassion fatigue? And the answer is pretty simple. Self-defense. The human mind can only take so much, and when it feels like it's overloaded initially, the human mind can <clears throat> the human mind can only take so much, and when it feels like it's overloaded emotionally, it begins to detach. And I mean, we all do it in some small capacity daily. I mean, otherwise, look, every sad movie you watch, every tragic news story you see would have you bawling in tears in a debilitating state of depression. This is only magnified in professions where you see tragedy every day, like nurses, doctors, and first responders. Or, in a more micro sense, we can feel this about people in our everyday lives. We take too much of them on and lose part of ourselves. But why the hell do we do this? Like, why do we have this compulsion? 
there has to be an easier way. And at first I thought it was simply like a curse of altruism. Like, like I'm so good that my soul is so benevolent that I can't help but to possibly want to help people all the time. But then Steve said something to me and had my mind kind of thinking in a different way that maybe it wasn't even about other people, but more so myself. I used to try to like coach him and be like, hey, start thinking like, essentially, I wouldn't say this, but I would be like, hey, start thinking like me instead of like thinking like you because it's not helping you. Um, and it flipped. So that's how what it used to be. But then after like processing through it with Wade, it's like he's his own person. Like he's making these choices. He's going to do his own thing regardless of what like you say. Um, so maybe instead of trying to like fix him or whatever it is that you're trying to do try to just like be there for him and like focus on the hey I still love you piece to all this instead of like trying to fix everything that he's doing or like coaching his whole life you know um so that was kind of the boundary is more like I stopped trying to be in the know on every single detail and providing my two cents on everything, my two cents on everything. My two cents on everything. These words rang into my ears for a while. Like perhaps the whole time I've been looking at things the wrong way, it became a mission of mine to help this person or make these people realize x y and z and my happiness my sanity was tethered to those actions for someone else and i think to be honest a part of the reason i chose to carry this load is just to say that i could i wanted to be a hero i wanted to be someone who mattered i wanted to put my two cents on everything but what's the cost of putting that two cents into things here i was running around stressed i was stressed out about people and their lives and cost me my own soul it sounds dramatic i know but it eats away at you day in and day out so i begin to look at these things called boundaries what do they mean what are they and no we're not talking about building no wall to mexico no no these are boundaries so well to you think of this way pretend you have a giant bubble around you this bubble keeps you safe and warm and you love this bubble this bubble is your home this bubble is your natural harmony. Now, how strong this bubble is depends on your own experiences, bad things that happen to you, or maybe the way you were raised, or just how you are in general, people's words, actions, all these things either build calluses around your bubble or soften the bubble. Like we said, some people's bubbles aren't as strong as ours. So those people we try to protect. We try to make sure they're okay with what we have, but use our bubble to protect them. And we allow them to use our bubbles as protection. It's kind of like diving in the way of a bullet. And at first we do this because we want to. It's a friend that needs help. But what we come to find out is later on that just wanting to help becomes a compulsion. You do it because you feel like you have to. And over time, your bubble takes on more and more punishment over and over and over again. And then when it bursts, we get things like anxiety, depression, and what we talked about earlier, compassion fatigue. Setting boundaries is like adding another layer to your bubble. It's adding a little protection before it even gets to your bubble. And at a certain point, you have to realize we aren't Superman. 
Like you can't save everyone, especially those who have no desire to be saved. Natalie faced this problem in her practices, and this was the advice she was given. Because there's certain things that we just can't fix that are out of everyone's control, including the client and the clinician. But the things that we can control are what we try to help change and improve by drawing out of the strengths, by learning and practicing skills, by using different modalities or whatever. But if the client's not willing to do anything, then there's not anything that could be done. (laughs) (laughs) So she also suggested taking a break from services and then resuming if the client felt like he was ready to towards change and seeing how that worked. We may not work in a clinical environment, but the ideas work generally the same. I've thought about it and looked up different things and here are about three different things I thought would help figure out how to build these boundaries. Number one is to develop self-awareness. Self-awareness has been something that's been popping up everywhere and it can be its own episode in itself. But the main thing right now as it pertains to this is to realize you need to be aware of your limits. Whatever situation you may be in, you need to take time and understand how it's making you feel, what exactly is making you feel that way, and why you're feeling that way. Like, what's going on? Like, are you feeling mentally drained all the time? Has your level of patience plummeted? Stuff like that. Being aware of changes in your emotional state while being able to identify the causes of them will make a world of difference. Look, I'm telling you from first-hand experience, you'd rather figure this out yourself rather than being surrounded by a whole bunch of people asking you why you don't care about this person being shot like I had. That wasn't like the most fun experience ever. Anyways, number two goes right along with number one, and that is self-care. Like, I get you want to be there for your friends, and that's cool, but think of this as like airplanes, right? When they say the airplane is falling and crashing, you need to put your mask on before you can help someone else. And self-care is just all about that. That's what that is. How you do this is finding out what gives you rest, yoga, exercise, uh, talking to people in your circle. But most importantly, when it comes down to it, you need to know when to drop the load. That means ignoring some phone calls if you have to. If you are in a professional environment where you're dealing with this kind of stuff, the biggest thing is to let work stay at work. This is something that took me a while to develop and I don't even really have it all together now. But I've noticed that between not doing it at all and doing it now, it's been a world of a difference. You will never save everyone and solve every problem. And hell, actually, if you did, you'd be out of a job anyways, right? So it's tempting to be worried about a client or a student, but whoever you're working with, but you have to have the energy to do it. You have to save that energy for when you're at work and when you can actually help. There's no use of being worried about it at home when you really can't do anything about it. You can't talk to the person. You can't look up anything. It's just you're just at home. And remember what Natalie said, maybe sometimes you have to step away. This person isn't ready to receive help. They just want to kind of yell at you or get mad at you or bring you down when you need to just step back and be like, okay, look, when you're ready, I'm here and we can work on it. So Steve actually has been doing some of this stuff and he kind of told me what the difference was in his life since he's put up boundaries. Since putting up those boundaries, um, I feel like I have been able to be more loving and caring in the moment when I see him now. Um, I'm not, I don't have any of those feelings of like before, this feeling of like, I've failed you or um, I've not done enough or 
just, you know, all those negative feelings would be there too. So I would not be as present with him in the moment and like as like, I don't know, just as supportive as I could be uh, while I was with him in person um, those times. When those boundaries are in place, all those negative feelings are gone because I don't feel like it's it's not my role to live his life for him. I don't feel like I'm failing him anymore because I'm not, yeah, I'm not trying to, to direct everything that he does with his life. Now, there's something Steve kind of alluded to there that had a very profound impact on me, and I learned about it before, but for some reason, just talking to him kind of sparked it up again. He talks about his role, knowing your role. My role is to just make sure that he knows that he's loved and appreciated and that I'm here for him still. I'm not going anywhere. So, like, I've been able to focus on that more um, since then. And it's been, it has been freeing, you know. Um, I feel like this happens in any any relationship. Um where boundaries are in place, you, you have that switch. Um, when you know your, your proper role and you're not trying to take on the world, like um, you're able to just be a, a better like person um, to love whoever it is better. Letting him know that I'm still here for him. It seems super simple, but it reminded me of something I learned in the class that told me just to do that. It was a class revolving around therapy or any type of counseling. And quick note, little thing about social workers, counselors, therapists, whatever you want to put in there. They like to help people a lot. Like it's an uncontrollable urge. And if we don't think we're doing a good job at it, we can allow it to affect our self-worth as we talked about earlier. Solution-focused people need not only to provide the solutions, but they have to see them work. They have to see them help the person. And after time, after time, after time of these solutions not working or being ignored in some cases, we feel like we're the ones to blame. We rack our brains trying to figure out a new, innovative way to help this person, but what only things we really need to do is to just sit in the chair. The idea of just sitting in the chair, believe it or not, is used to help counselors help you. This means don't think about the solution. Don't think about anything you have to do to help this person. Simply focus on being present and being with them. That's it. That is all. If you ever have a conversation with someone and they talk like 90 to 95% of the time and you're just like, yeah, uh-huh, mm-hmm, oh, that's interesting. And by the time it's over, they tell you, Wow, man, I feel way better now talking to you. That's the effect of sitting in the chair. Because if we put it plainly, sometimes people don't want a solution. They just want to be heard. They just want someone to say, mm-hmm, yeah, wow, man, that sucks. <laughs> now, if this doesn't suffice for you, if it's too much, and it's like, oh, just sitting there, just listening, oh, that sucks, it's not gonna help. Think of it this way. When you go to a restaurant, does a waiter just kind of plop on food to your table? No, no. They let you sit down, look at the order, or look at the menu, and then decide. You may ask them a question here or there, and they listen and they give answers, but when the time comes, 
they let you order and then they'll give you exactly what you need you have to let that person be ready and until then you can just sit in the chair and listen this takes the pressure off of you the pressure of making a solution saying the right words the pressure of trying to figure out this person's life for them and instead it just allows you to be there which without a doubt will help you prevent or even slow down the process of getting that compassion fatigue this all reminds me of a story called the giving tree by shell silverstein yeah it's a children's book but it gives very adult lessons it's about a boy and a tree and the tree is willing to give the boy everything at first they're best friends and over time the boy asks for several different things from the branches to carving into its bark to a whole bunch of different things and each time the tree is willing to give give and give only for the boy to continue to take take and take the boy doesn't see the tree very often and slowly he only comes when he needs something from the tree and at the end of the story this once mighty proud tree was reduced to a stump look i want you guys to be able to carry these burdens for people and i want to be able to do this but at the end of the day we also have to do what's best for us before any muscle can grow stronger it has to get rest in order to heal you need to heal i need to heal there's plenty of work to be done out here but there's only one of you drop the weight right now so that you can carry it when you need to the most thank you all for listening have a good one